I'm Julie. And I'm Darcy. And this is Classroom Crusaders. We're listening, learning, and leading. My child and I share a bed in a small apartment. I spend $1,000 on supplies and I've been laid off three times due to budget cuts. I am a teacher in America. I have a master's degree, 16 years of experience, work two extra jobs, and donate blood plasma to pay the bills. I'm a teacher in America. I have 20 years of experience, but I can't afford to fix my car, see a doctor for headaches, or save for my child's future. I'm a teacher in America. So some of our listeners might have read the Time article published yesterday on um, September 13th and seen those lines printed. And so Julie and I wanted to take some time today to kind of talk about that. Um, Julie, what are your kind of thoughts Yeah, I think when we originally came up with the idea of doing this podcast, um, our our idea was to create a space for listening, learning, and leading. And um, a lot of what we do here is sharing strategies and best practices um, and resources because we know that time is one of the biggest barriers for teachers. But in addition to that, We also feel that this is a space to talk about what's happening in education, and in particular, what's happening and its impact on teachers. Um, We both feel really strongly that in order for teachers to stay in this important profession, they need support, they need to be energized, they need to thrive. And the article in Time Magazine, what it really conveyed to me, um, and if I had to to pull the theme from my perspective as a reader, was in our country, teachers are barely surviving, let alone thriving. And it has nothing to do with their ability to teach. Um, Most states, you have to have a master's degree to be a teacher. Yeah. It has nothing to do with their desire to provide the best possible education for their students. Um, It has everything to do with the systems that have been created in our country around compensation. Um, And, you know, it it frankly broke my heart um, reading this this article. And I know, Darcy, you and I both have our own sort of personal connections to this dilemma, Um, you know, as as educators, um, where despite loving what we do and valuing it and believing in it, coming across real struggles in terms of making it work in our own lives um, because we chose to be teachers. And so what what I'm hoping we can talk about today is really sharing our experiences and acknowledging that um, that this this is a crisis and now is the time for educators to come together as many are to say this isn't okay. This this isn't fair, this isn't right. I want to teach. I want to do this work. But how can I in the current circumstances? Yeah. Yeah, I definitely, yeah, I can connect to it on a lot of different levels. There's been years where 
I've needed classroom supplies and I, I mean, I, we get a small discretionary fund, um, every year, um, and get reimbursed for that, but it's never enough, you know, um, trying to buy books is like pulling teeth. Um, they always, you know, my, <laughs> uh, <laughs> I've been told by administrators, you know, oh, well, we can buy the books. And then I come to them saying, okay, here's my list. And they say, well, can't you borrow them from another school? Um, and that just takes so much time to track down one copy at a time, <laughs> you know, that I just give up and, you know, we do something else in class. Um, yeah, all my classroom decorations, anything that I, I have is all personally funded. Uh, I think teachers wear a lot of different hats. I've, I've given my old clothes to students before that didn't have them. I've bought basketball shoes for students if they couldn't afford them. Um, and for me as a single parent income that, you know, I can't say no, I, I, I want my kids to, to be able to do what they want to do and to support them. And if they want to be involved, I need to support that. And, um, and I'll do whatever I can to do it, but I also have to take care of myself, you know, and my, and my daughter. And so, you know, it gets, it gets difficult sometimes. Yeah. And I think what you're sharing, um, really reflects, um, one of the teachers in the article's experience named Hope Brown. Um, she says, I truly love teaching but we are not paid for the work that we do. And I think what you're hitting on is that teachers don't just show up and teach classes. There right. is often this misconception that we just walk in and teach and walk out and leave the building. And and that that is not the reality. Um, we are juggling many hats and many roles. We are social workers, we are therapists, we are We're parents, um, we parents. have to parent the kids. We are coaches. Yeah. Um, we are giving ourselves emotionally and physically and financially. And, and this is not to say that we don't want to. And I think that's the really important point. As I was reading this article, every teacher expressed wanting to do their job. It wasn't oh, I became a teacher and I guess it's what I do and I'm stuck in the profession. I mean, these are teachers who really want to teach and love teaching, um, but but are not getting the, the support that they need. This financial juggling is how it's described in the article. Financial juggling that's, that's becoming part of everyday lives for teachers. Um, and, and that's, you know, incredibly frustrating. It's, it's incredibly frustrating to me that the teachers are having to strike and demand increases in salary benefits and funding for public education. Um, you know, when I talk to friends and, um, people in my life who, who don't work in education, they don't have these kinds of experiences. They don't have to strike in their office building to get health insurance that's affordable. Right. And and I think, you know, this this can feel really hard and hopeless. And, you know, when you were talking about supplies, Darcy, I thought about my first year of teaching in the New York City public schools. And 
I was so grateful for Donors Choose, which if you're not familiar with it, is a fantastic organization that um, allows teachers to ask for um, funding for various projects in their classroom and supplies that they need. And I use Donors Choose um, quite frequently to get books, to get the things that I, I needed in order to teach my students. So it's not to say that, that there aren't resources out there. Um, but I think, you know, what, what we're really seeing here is that this is, this is a financial problem. This mm -hmm. is, this is a problem where, um, teachers are not being compensated. Their salaries aren't being, um, adjusted to reflect the cost of living. And, and those, those headlines that you read, you know, to think that a teacher has to have other jobs in addition to teaching is really disheartening to me. Yeah. And, you know, honestly, this is this past summer was the first year that I haven't had to have another job, but I'm still I still need to be wary. And what, so essentially um, I had a sewing business and I would sell. Well, there's a couple different things <laughs> um, because I have my mechanics license for aircraft um, for several years, up until about four or five years ago, um, I mechaniced in the summer. And so I would teach during the year, and then I'd find a, an airplane mechanicing gig in the summer, and I would do that all summer. Um, it became really hard to do once I became a single parent, or just even a parent, because I needed someone to, to watch my daughter. And it, was, it wasn't cost-effective to hire a babysitter and then go work. And so I decided to start a sewing business and sew bags and then sell them at the local farmer's market here. And I did that for years and years. And, um, and then I don't know, like I'm, I want to spend time with my kid, <laughs> you know, like I can't work all the time. And so, um, now the my newest and greatest idea is to sign up to chaperone all these uh, camps. My, our school district started some science and math camps for kids. And so when if I can get my mom to come visit me for two or three weeks at a time, then I can go earn an extracurricular stipend um, by chaperoning these camps. And it's hard. Like you have to get up at 5 a.m., you know, you're ready by six to get the kids up. You're going to bed at 11. It lights out and it's for a week and it, it's hard. Um, and there's also another camp that's run through the state. Um, and so that's kind of my thing now is like, okay, I got to go do these extracurricular stipends to make sure that I'm trying to earn as much money as I can. And my big thing, you know, my salary is actually pretty decent. I'm pretty... I'm pretty happy for it, uh, with it, but my student loan payments are killing me. I've been paying on them forever, and they're, they used to be about $800 a month. I'll give time for a freak out on that. And um, they've dropped, I've finished paying one off, and so it's dropped down like another couple hundred dollars. But, um, oh my gosh, that's like a house payment, you know? Yeah. And so... And I just have to still make it another four or five. I think I have another four years on my loans. And I just have to make it 
four or five more years and then it should get easier. (laughs) So I kind of hold my breath that nothing catastrophic will happen because, yeah, I just can't afford for catastrophic things to happen. So. Well, and I'm glad you brought that up because, you know, in a profession where you often are required to have a master's degree, student loans are going to be a reality for most educators or many educators, I don't want to make blanket statements. Everybody's situation and circumstances are different. But if we're talking about, you know, I mean, in the article, it says in 2016, the average teacher starting salary was $38,617, 20% lower than that of other professions requiring a college degree. When you pair uh, a, a significantly lower salary with student loans, it's terrifying, right? We're yeah. talking about struggling to survive and not thriving. And I think what, what is so frustrating about this is that a lot of people agree that teachers should be paid more, you know, and and are on board. It says in the article that 60% of people Um, in a survey released by USA Today, think teachers are underpaid. Mm -hmm. Um, And a majority of both Republicans and Democrats think that they do have the right to strike. So one piece of this article that gave me some hope was teachers are starting to run for public office because I think we're realizing that in order for things to change, we need teachers in office to be advocating and to be in positions where they really could um, influence a change in this. And, you know, when you brought up the summer and doing things over the summer, one thing that frustrates me so much is is this thought that, well, teachers are, are paid fairly because they have the summer off. And let's be very clear, and it says this in the article, and I'll quote it, many teachers regularly work over the summer, planning curricula, taking continuing education and professional development courses and running summer programs at their schools, making it a year round job. Mm -hmm. So I think when I think about my summers off, I never really took a full summer off. I was always either doing summer school or a camp or some sort of fellowship that would give me more credits. Um, And I just think it's a big misconception. Also, here in Boston, school gets out at the end of June. Summer is is not that long. We're talking Mm -hmm. about an eight-week time frame. Um, And so it frustrates me that that is the argument that that many people make to justify the the salaries that teachers are being paid. Right. And, I mean, teaching – oh, gosh, yeah, we could talk about this all day, couldn't we? (laughs) But it's, you know – You can't just teach from 8 to 4 or from 8 to 5. If you're lucky, you get your prep time of, you know, 45 minutes to 55 minutes. And it is impossible to plan for a class in less than an hour and have it be a quality lesson, let alone grade everything, do paperwork, attend meetings. Um, And so, you know, and it talked about, You know, people work 40, 50, 60 hours a week and you do, you know, and it's, it's one of those things that, I mean, what, I can't remember the percent, how many percent drop was, uh, in the first five years, how many teachers end up leaving, 
Um, oh, yes. It says, um, once teachers make it to the classroom, attrition is high. At least 17% leave the profession within the first five years, according to a 2015 study. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, I remember after my first five years of teaching, I was like, oh my gosh, like I... I don't know if I can do this, you know, and then I made it another four years and then I met you (laughs) and I was so burnt out because it's just constant. When I get a round of essays from my students, I mean, it takes 20 hours to grade and I don't even have that many kids. Like I have 90 kids, so I'll get 90. I don't know. Some years I'd have maybe 100 but it's like, oh my gosh, you know, and they want, I, it's, I, I can't even, well, and, <laughs> can't and even to your point, it. you know, people often ask me why I left the classroom and there are two answers to that. One answer is I wanted to start supporting teachers and share what I had learned and really help teachers. Um, and so coaching felt like, the right next step. But the other reason is because I was teaching in a private school in a very affluent community and my salary, um, you know, at the time I was also a single parent and my salary was, wouldn't provide a livable wage. And so I was in a situation where, um, I was not going to be able to live where I was living and provide for my son if I continued to teach at this school, which also happened to be my alma mater. I attended that school. So I made a decision to leave um, and it was a financial decision and it, it broke my heart because I loved my students and I loved teaching. But to your point, I also love my child. Right. And that was something that I saw in this article as well. Um, there, there was this powerful quotation from Nashonda Cook, who is a teacher and single mother of two in Raleigh, North Carolina. And she says, it's not about wanting a pay raise or extra income. It's just about wanting a livable wage. Mm -hmm. And that was exactly how I felt. I, I wasn't, you know, looking for anything extravagant or exceptional. I just wanted to be able to pay my bills, support my child, and teach English, which is what I loved. But I couldn't do that at the school that I was at on a single income. It just wasn't possible. And, you know, I think um, that's really what this article is hitting on. The other quote that really resonated with me, um, a a woman was talking about her siblings. So she's a teacher (laughs) and her siblings are an attorney, an engineer, and a physical therapist. And shout out to my sister. She's a physical therapist. So all of these siblings earned graduate degrees. And and she has a graduate degree as a teacher. But she makes half of what they do. And here's the quote. My younger brother, who's an engineer, his bonus is more than my salary. Yeah, I saw that. And I was just like, oh, my gosh, this is bad. (laughs) But it gets so sticky because... How do you put a how do you put a wage on what we do? You know, I and it's publicly funded in most cases. And so, you know, I've run across people who are like, "Ah, I don't want to pay for some other person's kids education, you know." But mm-hmm. it's but you have to invest in the people who are going to be a part of your community and a part of your country. You have to. 
You know, I mean, even if I wasn't a teacher, I would still feel a pull to want to do something to make my world a better place. And to me, I do that by connecting with people and, you know, I I don't know. I just, I don't know. It's tough because I saw in the article talks about the nurses. Yeah. Nurses' salaries and how, um, let me see if I can find it real quick. Um, Did you see that part? Yeah, it talks a lot about um, sexism and how teaching has been seen as a primarily female profession. Right. Um, And it was making a comparison to nursing, which historically was also viewed as as something that women did. Yeah. Um, and yeah, it, it was, it was really interesting. Um, you know, it talks about in 1960, teaching was more lucrative than other comparable careers for women, but that was because of limited opportunity, not high pay as women were admitted to other professions and wider numbers, choosing teaching carried a cost. For example, registered nurses, another career historically dominated by women, make far more than teachers today, earning an average annual wage of $73,550 in 2017, according to the Bureau of Labor Statistics. Nursing shortages in some parts of the U.S. have led to signing bonuses, free housing, tuition reimbursement, and other perks, while teacher shortages have contributed to some states increasing class sizes, shortening school weeks, and enacting emergency certification for people who aren't trained as educators. Yeah. I have a friend who recently moved back from the South. I'm going to try to be as anonymous as possible in this (laughs) story. Um, (laughs) But she said that when... Her, they moved back because the quality of the quality of education was better here in um, in Alaska where I live. Um, she said where they came from, when there was a substitute called in, they would basically cancel class and send all the kids into the cafeteria or gym, and the kids would just get on their phones. Mm. And I'm like, what? Like you can't what? Where in what world is that okay? You know, and it's because they don't have qualified well they just don't have substitutes to even yeah fill the the jobs you know if a teacher is out sick oh gosh don't even get me started on that how many times you know teachers go to school completely sick you know and trying to make it through the day but um yeah you know when I read about the nurses and the having signing bonuses and free housing and all that I mean, that's how they used to attract teachers to Alaska, too, was to give them bonuses and, and all that. Um, but then what happened was some districts had more money than others, and then they couldn't fill positions in, in one place. And you can apply that on a grand scale, too. States pay teachers so differently. Yeah. You know, and, the cost, and the cost of living varies so dramatically between states. You know, I mean, like I said, I have my student loan payments my student loan payments aren't going to change based on the state that I live in. And Mm -hmm. so I have to make sure that I can, you know, make it where I live. And, um, so I'm not, I, I don't know how to solve this. Yeah. Well, and to your point, and I think it's a really, a really important point, 
teacher pay, um, teacher health care. It does vary state to state. And there are states and districts where teachers don't feel this way, you know, where they do feel like they have a salary that allows them to um, not just survive, but thrive. But this article seems to suggest that that is rare. I'm not saying it doesn't happen. And I don't want to make blanket statements um, because frankly, I, I don't know the reality for teachers in every single state. I don't know all of the numbers. It's something I want to look into and learn more about after reading this article. But I do know here in Massachusetts, um, in, in many districts, teachers are compensated fairly. Um, it's so funny that you say that because um, this last week, our so our district, the I've worked in the district nine years. Every negotiation time for our contract has gone to arbitration. You know, the district refuses to give us anything, essentially, you know, which is their prerogative. Um, but it's funny because somebody I, you know, I, I stood up at the board meeting this last week and I had to and I felt the need to speak. And I actually operated my little bubble pretty well. Like I kind of tune things out and do my own thing. But if it gets pretty bad, then I have to speak up. And so I was compelled to do that this last week. And um, but it's getting to the point where it's like, yeah, I can I, I might be able to afford to stay in Alaska for another two or three years and then I'll move. And somebody said, well, where would you go? And I said, well, Massachusetts. <laughs> so it's really funny that you said that because. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well, and I think like what you said, I think is so important. And like, as an educator, I would imagine, you know, as a teacher, you want, you don't want to lose your job. So that line between when do I speak up? What, when, when do I feel that I can speak up and in what context? Um, and when, when do I just focus on what I'm here to do, which is teach. And you're absolutely right. I feel like that's such a hard line to navigate. And it makes me think about Brene Brown and in her work, she talks about having a strong back and an open heart. And that, that juxtaposition of, you know, needing to do what you have to do, but also acknowledging when something doesn't feel okay, when something is either unjust or, you know, um, a detriment to your ability to do the work that you need to do. It's really hard to teach with an open heart when you feel like nobody has your back right. and you're struggling to survive, let alone thrive. And, you know, we talk a lot about the power of coaching and the importance of teachers having support and a thought partner and resources and the things that they need to teach. But part of that is fair compensation. And so I think for me, you know, this article, it, it really brought to the forefront that in some ways it's not enough to just go through the motions or say, well, this is how it is. And this is just what it means to be a teacher in America. Um, But, you know, to Rosa Jamina's point in California in the article, she says we have to organize even harder and even broader. Now that's not to say that everybody has to run for public office or, you know, lead, lead the, um, the activism here. But at the same time, the article is suggesting that somebody has got to do it. And, and if we ever want things to change, um, you know, 
teachers are really going to have to start speaking up the way that you spoke up at the school board meeting, because here's the thing. There is nothing that I love more than teaching. Well, I love my husband. I love my family. I love my kids, (laughs) but, but I love teaching and I stopped doing it because of some of the issues that are in this article. And I don't want anyone to have to stop teaching because they can't survive. Right. And so, like you said, there isn't necessarily a clear solution. We can't provide a strategy or, you know, a best practice for how to how to solve this problem. But I think just talking about it and acknowledging that you're not alone. You know, you are not alone if you are a teacher who is working two extra jobs or you are a teacher who isn't saving for your child's future or you are a teacher who is spending $1,000 on supplies for your students. You are not alone. And there is strength in numbers and there is power in people speaking truthfully and honestly about their experiences. And that's what really got me about this article. It was honest. And I appreciated that honesty. Um, It really makes me want to talk to more administrators and school leaders. Um, One thing about the article that I I would have liked more of was, you know, people who are in positions of power in education, what are their thoughts on all of this? I mean, they did have a quotation um, you know, from the secretary of education, but I felt like that perspective was really missing. And I want to hear that perspective because, you know, can we easily place blame? Whose fault is it? There might be superintendents. In fact, I'm sure there are superintendents who, who want to pay their teachers more. Right. You know, they've got to be somewhere. (laughs) Well, and I feel, and that's why I feel like, you know, I want to hear that perspective because this, this I think really thoughtfully and truthfully shares the perspective of teachers in America. But I want to, I want to know more about also how administrators feel about this Um, superintendents, um, you know, people in the department of education, what do they think, you know, what can they do? Um, Because, it takes a village and it is, you know, lawmakers who, who are ultimately, you know, determining school budgets and making some of these decisions. And, and I want to know what they're thinking. Yeah. And you know, it gets hard though, because I also feel like, you know, the positions that you're talking about are so much higher salary positions that I wonder if they're just too far removed, mm. you know? And I, Gosh, I wish we could get some of those people in our classrooms for a week so they could just walk, walk the mile in our shoes, you know, because we actually had a, we had a sub, a substitute teacher a few years ago. She was awesome. Um, and, uh, but she took a, I think it was like a four day sub job at our school. (laughs) And after I think day two, she was like, how do you do this every day? (laughs) You know, and um, yeah, and then even what you were talking about, you know, how teaching, you know, people will use the word noble and, you know, being a teacher in the same sentence. 
Um, but when people ask me what I do, I don't say I'm a teacher with pride. I say I'm a teacher and wait for them to say something negative, whether it's in reference to salary or reference to why would you do that, something like that. And I, and I'd never really thought about that before this morning, actually, that, you know, I, I don't know. Yeah, I don't parade around saying, I'm a teacher. I, I just, yeah, I don't know. And I don't know why that is. Well, and I think, you know, to your point, when I used to tell people I was a middle school English teacher, the response was often, oh, that's cute. And so like you, <laughs> I, yeah. That's cute. Um, There's and, like, nothing cute about middle school. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> <laughs> it's a battleground. It became... Like you said, like when one of the questions that we always get asked, right? I think it's it's very common in our country. It's oh hi, I'm Julie. Um, oh hi, I'm Darcy. What do you do, right? That what do you do question, as if our identities are defined by our jobs and our work. And um, you know, you are one of the best teachers that I have ever worked with, and. If, if one, if a really strong teacher who is so highly skilled and, you know, you make these task cards and playlists that, that look like a professional graphic designer made them and they're so thoughtful and, you know, you're, you're constantly iterating and evaluating what you're doing. I mean, I could go on and on. If you feel like you can't hold your head up high and say, I'm a teacher, Oh my gosh, you know, that, that is terrifying, right? Um, it is, yeah. Because it is something to be proud of. And I think like, that is what I think is so important to say here. There, there are so many important professions. I mean, doctors, you know, they're social workers. Teaching is one of them. What we do is so essential. We are, we are with children we are educating, we are helping children feel seen and heard. It's just such an important profession and teachers should be able to hold their head up high and say, I am a teacher and I'm not just surviving, but I am thriving. And, yeah. and my hope is, and I appreciate that Time wrote this article and I appreciate that it's out there and I appreciate that people are reading it and sharing it. And I'm I'm so inspired by the teachers who are advocating and who are running for public office. And I hope, I hope that we begin to see some change because, um, it, it's just, it's just time. And to your point, um, we have to come together. Yeah, I know, you know, and it's funny cause I think about, you know, if, if they paid me more, I'd probably work even harder. <laughs> I don't know how or, you know, where I'd find the time, but I don't know. I would, yeah, if I didn't have to worry about my health care, if I didn't have to worry about, you know, my student loan payments, if I felt like I could afford a vacation to relax, you know, um, which I know I was in France. I know that. But I also have to do home exchanges because I can't yeah. afford to do it any other way. And, um you know, it's, I don't well, know. Worrying and anxiety and stress depletes energy. Right. And you need energy to teach. And so I think you're absolutely right. 
to work harder and to to really um, be our best professional selves, we can't have those kind of anxieties and worries. I mean, I'll be really transparent. Teaching at a private school was hard for me because I couldn't pay for my son to have the education that my students were getting. Right. I couldn't right. do that. And that was heartbreaking for me because I wanted him to have the best education possible. And that's not to say that private schools are better because that's not true. Um, it's a choice and people have the right to make a choice based on you know their circumstances. But that built up resentment in me mm-hmm. because you know, I felt like I'm showing up every day and I'm giving everything I've got for my students, but my son won't have the opportunity that my students have. And that's because I can't afford to give him that opportunity. And, and to your point, you know, in order for teachers to really be able to work hard, we have to eliminate some of that anxiety. I mean, teachers should be able to get a massage and save money to have an emergency fund and to put money away for their children's future. I mean, this shouldn't be something that is keeping us up at night. And, um, I, I just think it's so important to talk about it. And I'm so glad that, that people are talking about it because, um, you know, if we don't talk about it, nothing will change. Right. And I think the, you know, the key is, is that, Because people, like I said, you can't really, I don't know what number you'd put on a salary for teachers, but, you know, just the sheer fact that it's not keeping up with the cost of living increases. I mean, that you can't argue that, you know, and, and again, we, most of us have master's degrees, you know, or at least you have to have a four-year degree to be a teacher. And so, um, Mm -hmm. yeah, you should be able to, to keep up with cost of living for sure. Yeah. So... While we don't have a graphic organizer or a... <laughs> oh, I could um, come up with one. <laughs> would you? I'm sure you could. I, I wish there was, was uh, you know, a next step or, or something that we could offer everyone. But I think what we are offering here is an honest conversation between two educators about, um, you know, the reality of teaching and how it's affected us. Um, and also, you know, our response and our, um, our thinking around this article, I hope that, 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 that our conversation resonates or helps listeners know that you're not alone. You're not alone in feeling this way. You're not alone in the struggles that you might be having. Um, we want to hear from everyone. Like I said, I would love to talk to administrators. I, I've had the privilege to work with some administrators who, who are incredible, who are doing learning walks, who are going into teachers' classrooms, who, you know, I did a design workshop in New Buffalo, Michigan a couple weeks ago, and the principal took me out to lunch, and he, he took teachers out to lunch, and you could tell he was present at the workshop. He participated in the workshop. He was working alongside his teachers and he was really, really present and in touch with what they were excited about, what their challenges were. And you could tell that they felt supported. You could tell that those teachers were, I'm sure, you know, their challenges, but they were thriving um, in that they had an administrator who had their back. And so 
I think, um, you know, we need to hear more stories like that. Yeah. Um, we need to, we need to surface systems that are working. Who are the schools that have this figured out? Who are the districts that, you know, are, are providing support for their teachers so they can thrive? Um, those are the stories that I want to hear too. Yeah, absolutely. So on our next episode, we will get back to um, talking about station rotation and strategies and resources, but it felt really important to hold space for this today. Absolutely. Yeah. All right. We'll join us next time. Thanks for listening. Thank you for listening. Our next episode will be posted soon. If you want to follow the crusade, subscribe on our website, www.classroomcrusaders.com.